Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast about running, fitness, and all things health-related. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I'll present you a new episode that is of interest to all runners. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 24. Today I'm going to do a race report on the Shasta Gateway 50K. This was the inaugural year. Brian Spitz and Shasta Trail Runs did an excellent job, and I thank you so much for being so wonderful, being a great host and a great uh, racing company. It was the toughest race I've ever done in my life. It was really hard. (laughs) It tested all my ability, I'll tell you that. It was up at the foot of Mount Shasta, which is about, the mountain is about an hour's drive north of the town of Redding, California, which is in Northern California. And it's a few hours drive up from San Francisco. So I took some time off work. I left San Francisco Thursday, got up there Thursday late afternoon. So I had all Friday to chill out and just to relax and stuff. And I saw, met up with Rob and Patty Nadeau. And thank you so much for being amazing, great friends and really cool. Thank you very, very much. It was a pleasure meeting you in person, finally. And that was cool. And then the race was Saturday. It started, the 50K started at 7.30. And the weather was perfect. It wasn't that hot. And at the foot of Mount Shasta is about 4,000 feet elevation. So it gets a little cooler as you go up. And it hasn't been as hot in Redding as last week. Last week in Redding, it apparently was like 100 degrees. So we got really, really lucky that it wasn't as hot. It was, you know, in the 80s, around 90. But up at Mount Shasta, it was quite cool, actually. It was nice. It was very nice temperature, and it really didn't get hot that hot during the day, so we were fortunate. The, the Gateway Trail is really, it's a pretty area. It's just absolutely beautiful. It's pine trees, a lot of, uh, a lot of chaparral, a lot of brush. It's just very beautiful, and I'd like to go up there and just explore the trails on my own time without having to worry about covering the distance and doing the race, I just like to just go up and explore and take a bunch of pictures and take my time and have fun. Maybe another time. So I'll probably do that. The race was, it was real small. There was only like 50 people doing the 50K. It started out along, and the first part of the race was really hard. It was along this really rocky, really tough trail along, along the electrical lines for like about a third of a mile and it was really hard to run, so I had to t- I had to go real slow. And everybody else takes off like like rabbits. They're zipping down, and I'm going real slow. So I knew I was going to be the last person. It was my first it was my first race where I was DFL, and DFL means dead freaking last. Although freaking isn't what it means, <laughs> but I'm not going to say that because I try to keep try to keep the podcast clean. It's just a standard that I have. I was DFL, and I was DFL the whole day, and that was okay. There was plenty of time. But since there was a 50 mile, there was a 50 mile, 50K, 30K, and a 10K. They kept all of it at the same cutoff time as the 50 miler, which was, which was 12 and a half hours. So we had plenty of time. So I said, that's fine. I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to risk falling. Although there were, <laughs> there were lots of times where I almost fell. I didn't fall. So thank goodness. I was the last person and everyone else took off. They disappeared and I the only time I saw them was when they were returning and I was still going up because it was it was an out and back trail what was supposed to happen was it was supposed to go up to 8000 feet on Mount Shasta and then back 
But because there was still so much snow, because there's been so much rain and so much snow at the top, Ryan had to cut off the top part of the, of the trail and add six more miles at the bottom. I got through the first part and got up, and then the only part of the trail that I didn't really like was that there was three miles up and three miles back along the side of the highway. And that was kind of scary because I was by myself. I was going up side of the highway along, you know, along, there there was enough of a dirt path along the side of it to run up, but sometimes it got a little narrow and sometimes the the breakaway was really steep. So I had to really pay attention to the cars. I mean, there weren't that many cars, but there's still snow on Shasta. So there's still people going up to snowboard and ski and stuff, play in the snow. So I had to really be careful of the cars passing me. It got almost up to 7,000 feet was the top. I didn't realize how much the elevation would affect me, but it really made me tired, especially as I got up past 6,000 feet. It really made me, made my legs feel like lead and I got out of breath quicker. So I was walking a lot more than I thought. And my hip didn't give me problems. As you know, I've had, I've had hip problems that I've been seeing a physical therapist about, but my hip didn't give me problems until about 15 miles in. So halfway in, I was okay. But then about halfway in, my hip just started hurting like crazy. So I just had, I had to walk a lot. I ran when I could, but then when I hit, my hip hurt, I had to stop and walk. So I walked a lot. And the first part of the race, it was okay because it was mostly uphill. So I was walking anyway. The last part, it started to hurt a bit, lot. So I walked a lot more than I, than I expected. And that was unfortunate, but it was what I had to do. Anyway, so we're still at the first part. So I'm walking up the side of the road. And unfortunately, as much as I like tailwind, <laughs> sometimes it gives me digestive problems. So without getting into really, really big detail about how it affected me, let's just say that it affected me. <laughs> I had to, luckily there were a lot of trees and brush, so I had to dash off to the side of the road and take care of business because it was fast. If I hadn't, it would have been a real mess. Luckily I did that and I'm just not going to have tailwind anymore because it just... Those kind of nutrition and liquid things, I think they just give me too many carbs at once or something like that in the liquid. They just don't do well with my with my stomach. And that was the start of my stomach problems. I had stomach problems all race long. The entire day, my stomach was a mess. I don't know why, but it was. So then I switched. Okay, so then I had two bottles at that point. And later on, it changes. But at that point, I had two bottles I put a tablet, none tablet, in my in my other bottle, and I had that, and I tried to get some nutrition in, and I had a couple. I had bought a couple goos. I didn't make my own goo this time. I just didn't have time, so I bought some goo, and I had one of those. I think it was the um, roasted marshmallow, the s'mores, which actually tasted really good. So I had that, and that kept me going with the none. It started to get warmer and the sun was starting to get down on us. And we're up higher, so the sun is, we're closer to the sun, so you feel it more. And so I'm running along and then the, the top guy in the 50 miler, he comes barreling down the hill and says, good job, good job. And I'm clapping him, good job, good job. The thing that was really cool is that, is that since it was an out and back, everybody passed each other. And then to a T, 
every single runner said good job. And I said good job to them back. And good luck and good racing. Everyone said something. Not one person was quiet. Everyone just cheered each other on. It was awesome. That was cool. Some people high-fived me. You know, it was just really fun. And as I got towards the top, it got a little bit more snow, and it was just absolutely beautiful. And that's why, I, that's one of the one things I said, ah, oh, I wish I wasn't racing. I wish I could take more time up here. But I was racing, so I kept going. And as I got towards the top, there's more and more snow. There wasn't any on the trail, fortunately. The coolest thing that I saw was I got to the top, and then there was logs that stopped the trail. Okay, the trail was ended. So I turned around, came back. And as I was coming back, I saw this thousands of monarch butterflies, these beautiful butterflies. I think they were monarch. They might have been something else. I don't know my butterflies. This whole bunch of butterflies, there were thousands of them. And they were all just grouped around this whole area. And there was some like melted snow. There were some puddles there and they were getting water and they were just chilling out. It was the most beautiful thing I've seen in such a long time. They were landing on me and flying all around. It was really neat. So saw that, and so I'm coming down. So I said, cool. So finally downhill. So I get down to the aid station. They, you know, as I love Ryan. I love Shasta Trail Runs, but the aid stations just didn't have a whole lot of stuff. They didn't have salt tabs. Fortunately, I brought my own, so I had to take a couple salt tabs. And nothing looked really good. I mean, I, I tried to eat a couple pretzels, and they just felt like lead in my stomach. They just did not sit well. So I kept going and had some none and filled up my bottles and some more none. And I ran, and I for, fortunately on that on the downhill of the road, I ran most of the way. Did w- take some walking breaks, but I ran most of the way down, and that felt really good. It, my hip hurt. Okay, let's just put it that way. My hip hurt the whole half, last half of the race. So I just put up with it. You just have to say, okay, I'm going to tolerate it. I'm going to put up with it. <laughs> then I'm just going to do it. I got down to, and and then then I was expecting, oh, and they had told me at that the aid station that the second aid, that the other aid station at the end of it was closed. They had closed early. And it was like, what? Why did they close? I was really expecting there to be an aid station there. I really needed an aid station there. So instead of like five miles, it was like or four miles, it was like seven or eight miles or nine miles to the next aid station. And at the same time, my, my, my soft flask broke. Now, let me say, should, okay, I'm going to break in here with a little rant about bottles. And I'm not the only one. There were like three of us after the race who complained about how much we hated soft flasks. Now, it seems to be the trend to have soft flask, soft-sided flasks instead of the hard ones. I like the hard ones. They're, they're sturdier. They keep together. And sure, they don't, they don't mold with, with the vest, but they don't break either. I mean, you can, you, can, you can do a lot of things with them. My soft flask, which cost almost 20 bucks, my Ultimate Direction soft flask, broke on me. The top broke on me. I was opening it up. And, and the thing is, I was trying to open it, and it broke. The thing has always been 
difficult for me. It's always hard to close, too, because if you have it filled with liquid and you try to push it down, I guess it's called the nipple is what they call it. If you try to push down on the nipple, all the water, all the liquid comes spilling out, so you can't ever get it closed without water or whatever fluid you have in it just splashing all over the place. So it's kind of a pain. So please bring back the hard-sided bottles or make it easier to use the soft ones because it's not easy as it is. It's really difficult, very hard to use. They're not, they're not easy things to use. So that broke. So that meant I only had one bottle, which was not enough because there weren't enough aid stations and they didn't have enough supplies at the aid stations to keep me going. I mean, most of the aid stations just didn't have enough stuff and I not into Tailwind. I, I couldn't use it, obviously. There's no aid station there, so I said, okay, so I have to make do just not drinking enough water, and I could just really feel, feel my fingers and my, my wrist. My wrists were swelling up. I could wrist feel, look at my wrist swelling up, my fingers swelling up. So I tried to keep going. I kept going with drinking a, as little, you know, just taking small sips, keeping going. Small sips, small sips, small sips. And finally, got to the next aid station. So I got some water, got my last nun, my very last nun, and because I knew there was a six-mile route, instead of the six miles up at the top, the way we were supposed to do, three miles up and three miles down of the last bit, they did the six-mile route around the bottom there that is actually like a mountain bike course. And it's a, if you're a mountain biker, this is the place to go. Bring your bikes up. They've got ramps. They've got these cool stuff up there. It's a really neat course. So I, I started going on that, and it's it was deceptively hard. <laughs> it was not that hard. I mean, there wasn't the, the hills or anything, but it was long, and it was just kept winding and winding, and, and it was like, oh, my God, this is so hard. And my upper hip was hurting really bad at this point. So I walked most of it. I mean, I ran the downhills when I could, but oh God, it just started hurting. <laughs> and I couldn't drink that much because I didn't have, I only had the one bottle. Really, I needed two bottles. I drink a lot of water. I, I, you know, those people, you know, hold the handhelds, one handheld bottle. That's not enough for me. I have to have more. And thank goodness I brought my own salt tabs. That really helped a lot. But I, so my hands and, and wrists started coming down. They weren't swelling as bad. I took another salt tab, so thank goodness I had them with me. I swear to God, though, you know, the aid stations really should have them. Have salt tabs at every aid station. It's vital to have those for us, especially, you know, ultra races. You really got to have those, especially if the weather's warming up. Since that six miles is part of a bicycle course, there were some mountain bikers out there, but they're really cool about it. There were these three young mountain bikers and they were so nice they said oh you guys are running you're running a race and i said yeah and it's is oh well we won't bike here let's go someplace else and they were and they said good luck to you and i said how long is the race and i said well i'm doing 50k and wow that's amazing they were so cool and so nice you know very very friendly in fact i saw probably saw more mountain bikers than people in my own race <laughs> during the whole race and they were to a T, they were all friendly and supportive and just really nice. It's just a great place to go. If you're, if you're a hiker, if you're a runner, if you're a mountain biker, go to Mount Shasta. It's a cool, cool place. I, I cannot stress that enough, How what a neat area it is.
Okay, so I'm on the six mile, and it's like this loop. It's a loop-de-loop. I mean, I would like to go up there and just do this loop by myself and actually do it faster and better when my hip feels better because it's just a cool little course. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, so I'm doing that, and then I got done with that, and then, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to back up a little bit here. So before I started the, the six-mile little loop, I needed nutrition, and nothing tasted good. And the only thing that really tasted good was orange slices. So they had some orange slices. So I had three of those, and those were amazing. I would have, if they had had watermelon, I would have had that, but they didn't. They had peanut M&Ms. They had pretzels. They had uh, sour gummies, which I would never eat. I don't like those at all. And they had orange slices. They really didn't have that much. The orange slices were the only thing that I wanted. So I got those, and then I went on the, on the six-mile loop. So I did the loop. It took forever because I could. I was only running part of it. Most of it I was walking. And I, but I was walking fast. I tried to keep my walking under at 18-minute miles. So it was fast enough walking. And, oh, it hurt so bad. <laughs> I tell you, the, the, the entire time I'm crying, I'm cursing, I'm praying. I'm doing everything. Every emotion came out of me, I tell you. I, I really... I, I've never cried during a race, cried a lot of tears during this race. There's a lot of, in fact, I'm talking about it now and my emotions, my eyes are watering up. There was a lot of emotion in this race, just a ton of it for me because it hurt so bad. And I, I kept saying to myself, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I don't care if it hurts. Ignore the pain, ignore the pain, embrace the suck, embrace the suck. So I just kept saying these things to myself over and over and over again. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. All right. So I got done with that, got done with that six mile loop. And then I knew there was like five or six miles left in the race. I got back to the, and the loop takes you back to the aid station, the same aid station. So I went there and they had the water and I, I was out of none, but I needed nutrition and I didn't want any orange. So they, but they had warm Coke. So I said, okay. So I filled my bottle up with Coke. That kept me going for the rest of the race. I think the rest of the race was like five miles or so. I mean, it wasn't enough. If, I, if they would have had two bottles of Coke, I would have taken two bottles. But they had the one. So I filled it up, and that kept me going for the rest of the race. I drank that, and God bless the Coke, because <laughs> it was the best thing I tasted. Warm Coke. I don't care. Warm, cold, flat, whatever. It had the nutrition I needed, and it kept me going. And then I knew that the last part of the course would be really hard because I had to go uphill along the same. When you see the electrical poles and the, and the wires, it was, I had to go uphill on that, the same one with all the rocks and everything that gave me the problems coming down. Everybody else did really fast, and I was really slow. So I had to go uphill that, and I was walking at that point. I was walking as fast as I could, but it was really hard. I mean, these rocks were, were are not small rocks. They're kind of big rocks, and if you step wrong, you're going to fall or twist your ankle or something. So I had to take it really slow. Finally got uphill, finally, and no, hardly anyone was left. Everyone had gone home. There were like a few people left, but everyone else had left. And I don't blame them. My friend Rob finished an hour and a half before me. So I was like the last person. I finished in 10 and a half hours. So two hours before the cutoff, but it took me a long time because my hip hurt so bad. I had to walk a lot of it. I know I wouldn't have taken so long if my hip hadn't hurt but it is what it is. I finished. I got my medal, got my cup, got my shirt, 
finished the hardest race ever. <laughs> and now I think I'm going to go out to this afternoon. It's a few days. It's like five or six days after. And I'm going to do my first running. I haven't done any running. Oh, and I, I just got back from vacation. I took off the day after I went up. I drove up to Tahoe and spent a few days up in Tahoe, just R&R. And I had told myself I was going to go up and do some hiking in Tahoe. Yeah, no, I didn't do that. I did a little walking, some hiking, but just basically down to the beach where I could relax. <laughs> so I just wanted to take it easy and just have some fun. And it was good. But this race really tested everything I had. It took everything out of me. And I'm so glad I did it. It was the toughest thing I've ever done. And you have to test yourself. I mean, the thing is, though, that plan. Don't just say, I'm going to do something without planning. I'm going to do something without training. Did I get the training in that I wanted? No, I couldn't because my hip was so badly hurt. I wish I could have gotten some more longer runs in. I've got this 50 miler coming up in September and I have to get my hip in order. So I'm going to do a lot of work this summer. And as a matter of fact, on my run, you know, when you spend 10 and a half hours on a race, you have a lot of time to think. And the thing with trail racing is that I don't listen to music or anything. So all, it's all in my head, all in nature. I had all this time to think. I, so I said to myself, okay, you've got this big 50 miler in September. You've really got to do your work. So I know what I'm going to do. I have a plan. I have goals set. And I know exactly what I need to do. So I don't have this problem again. And maybe, I don't know, I'll work with my physical therapist. I'll work at the gym. I'll do a lot of strength training, just a ton of strength training to get in order and just lots of running. But my strength training is going to be like the, one of the most important parts to me. I have to do this. Stick with me because I'll tell you what's going on and we'll keep at it. I really appreciate you listening to Martha Runs a World. You guys are awesome. I'm also going to have an interview with Ryan Spitz about his uh, California Untamed, his 330-mile six-day adventure, which he finished up. So we're going to talk to him as soon as we can, and that'll be up shortly. Stay tuned, and we have some great shows coming up. Really, we do. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be an awesome summer. So you keep running. You keep tackling your goals. Keep training. Keep going and keep being an amazing audience. The website is MarthaRunsAWorld.com. My email is MarthaRunsAWorld at gmx.com. I have a Facebook group, Martha Runs a World podcast group. So join us, please. We'd love to have you. It's small now, but we can get it going. We can have it big and mighty. If you want to donate to us, please, there's a, a link for Patreon. If you want to don donate one or two dollars a month, or if you want to just donate three bucks, one-time thing, there's a link for coffee. That's K-O-F-I. Thank you so much, and until next week, let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run.